With the ever-present and growing threat of climate change, sustainability is a hot-button topic and has been for years now. But advancements in technological capabilities are allowing innovators to find more and more creative, sustainable energy solutions. One such method you may not be familiar with is subsea compression, which is a way to draw naturally occurring gas out from the seabed. Compressors are placed on the ocean floor to increase pressure, which compromises the gas to allow it to flow up into pipes with less resistance. This compression process ends up generating a lot of heat, so the gas also needs to be passed through building-sized cooling chambers, and as I'm sure you can imagine, it would be pretty difficult to develop and test such a large system at the bottom of the ocean. Luckily, we have people like Anton Ristrom, an expert in using computational fluid dynamics in simulation technologies that helped greatly in projects like the 2015 Asgard Subsea Compression Project, where he and a team at Acker Solutions used that tech to develop digital twins of 17 meter tall cooling chambers. Anton, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Where'd you grow up? What led you down the engineering path to where you are now? Where it all started, I, I grew up in a, a really small town in uh, in the northern parts of Sweden called Arvidsjaur. It's um, famous for um, uh, testing cars. There's a lot of car testing that's going on in Arvidsjaur. So the Volkswagen group are, are coming up there. Uh, I grew up with my mom and my dad, a little sister that's two years younger than me. And uh, we had two dogs. I think what kind of got me into engineering or what prepped my subconscious or prepped me for for kind of making that choice later in life was just having this fascination for how things work. I was really interested in, in technology and in technical stuff. I, I remember I, I liked just taking things apart and seeing what's on the inside of this, how does this work? I didn't understand, you know, much of it, just, uh, pretty much took it apart to see what was in there and, and if I could put it back together, which was not the case for for, for, for all the times. So um, <clears throat> my dad was a, a pilot. Uh, when I was uh, growing up, he was a commercial pilot, but before that he was uh, part of the, the Swedish Air Force. So he was flying all of these uh, um, different really cool um, fighter jets that uh, we all got taught about in school and uh, my mom she was also uh, during a period of time working as a flight attendant so sometimes they would actually work together and uh, then they had pretty much no choice than to <laughs> take uh, me and my sister on the plane with them. <laughs> I started out as wanting to become a pilot and kind of follow that uh, that path but um, I am super fortunate to have a very diverse work environment and I have lots of things to do and no day is, is really the same as the other one. It's uh, filled with just collaborating with the team and trying to solve these challenges that we're working on on that day and you know it's it's a constant like good pace um, we're all in there and we're committed to, to solving these problems, which is, which is really nice to work in that, uh, in that environment where people are committed to solving a problem. It's not the regular, you know, nine to five grind. That's, uh, that's not the case at all. So I really like working in that environment with, uh, with my colleagues. So how did you get into these two areas, this intersection between simulation technology and computational fluid dynamics? Yeah. So I, 
I started my career in, in 2019 as an engineer, as a simulation engineer for computational fluid dynamics. It's called simulating fluid flow. And kind of quickly went into a more, uh, a role with more responsibilities. So kind of managing or directing a, a team on a technical level in, in, in how we can perform the best as a unit. In the, in the northern part of Sweden, we have a, a lot of activity relating to space and uh, we have satellites, uh, launch sites and uh, things like this. So space was also a, a big interest for me when I was small. And I found out that a city not too far away from my hometown was actually, um, actually had an education, a space engineering education. So I, uh, I just simply applied for that and got in, which I was really happy about. And that kind of got me into the aerospace track. So space and aerospace are quite closely related when you are studying. And with aerospace, I quite quickly got back into airplanes and, and how, and uh, you know, engineering uh, with respect to airplanes. And that's kind of when, you know, we started doing simulations on wing profiles and on these winglets that can uh, optimize uh, or reduce the fuel usage for an airplane for, uh, airplane, for example. So these kind of simulations, coupled with uh, the really graphic, visual, strong representation that you get from CFD simulations, that just uh, uh, kind of started a spark in me. And uh, I felt like this can be something. I think this is fun. It's uh, It has huge potential in the future. And as you say, it's a growing it's something that's in gr constant growth and getting bigger and bigger. And the more we, the more digitalized we become, the more we should rely on simulations to uh, sort of point us in the right direction. Can you tell us about your role with Ocker Solutions and the subsea compression projects you and your team worked on? The company I'm working with right now is called Ocker Solutions, and we have we have a lot of different technologies that we are working with. Um, to solve this uh, this super important uh, task that we are all faced with, which is the, the energy transition. So transitioning into a more sustainable way of living and uh, providing energy and uh, affordable energy and uh, reliable energy for everyone. And one way of doing that, we believe, is through a uh, technology called subsea compression. And that means that you're, you're building a station that has compressors and putting that right on the seabed where you have a natural gas and increasing the pressure already at the, already, already at the seabed. And that compromises the gas. So it flows more easily through the piping, it reduces the uh, resistance, so to say, and essentially makes, um, taking up natural gas and more efficient, uh, more efficient than traditional methods. We, CFD can be put to use for so many applications when doing such a big project that this is. Um, we are, for one example, developing coolers, uh, enormous subsea coolers, the size of an office building, pretty much 17 meters tall, um, that cools 
this natural gas after being compressed because the compression increases the temperature of the gas and that needs to be cooled to prevent any damage from occurring on the downstream system. So with CFD, we can create these coolers in a digital environment and adjust the sign parameters to see how that affects the cooling of this gas. And by doing this, we can move away from testing, which is very time consuming and very expensive. And instead doing this in a, in a digital domain. So that's one of the examples of, of the big strengths where, uh, where CFD plays a huge role. So our first um, subsea compression project that actually went into the sea that was done together with Statoil or who, who are now Equinor. It's been described running like a Swiss, <laughs> like a Swiss watch, um, pretty much. I think that it's planned to be installed in 2025. So we're getting closer and closer. That definitely sounds like a really complex undertaking. Was there anything that was particularly difficult for you and your team while you were working on these simulations? It's uh, it's something that's it that's new. And it has so many different challenges. Everything is just beefed up. It's bigger. It's a higher flow of natural gas, uh, for one example. And uh, uh, it's it's just so many things that are more difficult and more challenging. And uh, but that's a part of the of what makes it fun to go to work because it's uh, it is challenging and it's a challenge. And when you crack that tough nut, then um, it's, you know, instant. And have you found that there are any specific skills or characteristics as an engineer that have helped you overcome challenges like that? Yeah, I think along the way you pick up a lot of new skills and a lot of new insights. And it's really good to have an open mind and a willingness, a willingness to learn. So I am, you know, curious, uh, curious at every, every corner. Um, I have that sort of want to learn mentality and I'm not also, I'm also not afraid to, for a challenge, you know, it's, uh, it's good to be challenged. So you've been able to implement CFD in projects like these ones for subsea compressions, but what other kinds of applications have you been able to apply that knowledge? We apply, we apply CFD on many different projects uh, around the company. We're involved in everything from subsea processing and subsea compression projects that I mentioned to simulating, you know, power cables for electrification and uh, looking at the entire, um, looking at systems for offshore wind farms. How can we optimize how much current is going through this cable that leads up to a, to a, a wind turbine, for example. We're using CFD to optimize a structure uh, that's required for um, offshore fish farming, for example. So when waves hit the fish farm, how big are those forces and can we optimize the design somehow to, uh, to meet different criterias? I like that CFD is being considered more when starting a new project. So that's going to be interesting to see, you know, CFD developing and becoming more and more used and as I said, it can be used for almost anything. So in the in the in the energy transition, I think that CFD and simulations plays a, 
a huge role. And what's your favorite part about doing what it is that you do? What I love about my job is that we're solving actual problems and we can actually see our ideas coming to life in a workshop. So the things that we do our simulations about, the things that you know keep us up at night, that we struggle so much or fight so much to, you know, the the challenges that we are solving and working so hard to solve is being made into reality and being and being used in the real world to solve one of our biggest challenges. That's uh, that's what I love about my job. It's uh, very inspiring. Now, Anton mentioned that he led a team at Oculus Solutions, and one of those team members is system engineer Jesper Persson. Jesper, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background? Uh, so, uh, my name is Jesper Persson, and I work uh, currently as a system engineer in Oculus Solutions, um, in our Gothenburg site in Sweden. Um, I've been working here for pretty much two years, uh, straight out of school, out of university. Um, so my background is I've done a bachelor in mechanical engineering and I did my master's degree in uh, applied mechanics, focusing a lot on uh, what you call fluid dynamics, uh, which is a lot of what we do here in the Gothenburg office. Uh, that's not really my role now. Uh, I think that's kind of typical for engineers to study one thing, but then you end up working with something else. Um, so as a system engineer, I keep up kind of a broader perspective and in a lot of ways you can call it a project management role in a way or at least as, um, assisting the, um, the project managers kind of being um, a jack of all trades in a way to uh, know a little bit about everything to um, kind of piece the experts um, knowledge together into into one system product. What would you say is the most important aspect of working among a team like this one at Ocker Solutions? So I think there's a I mean, in terms of collaboration, collaboration is super important, right? Because uh, if you're an expert at the subject, um, you must, I mean, everyone knows uh, something, but no one knows everything, of course. So um, it's very important with the collaboration between these experts. I mean, you could be a process engineer, you could be a system engineer that I am, you could be a CFD engineer that um, Anthony is working a lot with. Um, they all kind of, you know, everyone pulls together in a way to add their expertise to uh, if it's a problem or if it's a design um, improvement or, or whatever. Um, it's really important to to uh, to get everyone's take in a way. So I've never encountered that we had a specific issue or something that we wanted to do where there's only uh, one person involved that yeah, knows everything, basically. So it's always a, always a team effort, right? But the cool thing about actually going out in the field to... Uh, if we say test, thing, test things, it's uh, that you get a much deeper understanding of what you're working with. So, of course, it's also fun to see the things that you've been working on for a year, to actually see them in person uh, in a way. Uh, um, but also to get that deeper level of knowledge, I think you have to kind of touch things and, and feel them and, and, and see them in action and in operation live. Um, so I think that's been a super rewarding experience as well and it's also like that's what it's all about right because you're, you're gonna you're gonna test that it actually works so it's uh i mean uh, it's almost like a nervous feeling right because you're uh, you're kind of you're looking forward to it but it's also like it's it's a moment of truth in a way so you're really um 
looking forward to seeing that the things that you've been working on uh, that are complete and that they're also uh, work as intended. Are there any specific traits you've seen in Anton that have made him particularly successful as a team leader? I think, uh, I mean, yeah, of course, I worked with, with Anton. And uh, I think one thing that he does really well is that he uh, brings out the, the best in, in the best ability out of people or, or the best that they can be. So he is working a lot with, with younger in, engineers. Uh, he's a manager as well. So for typically for younger in, engineers, and he was my manager when I started uh, in Aqua Solutions. So he's really good at uh, kind of finding the quality in people and uh, kind of uh, helping people uh, achieve the things they want to achieve and uh, grow pretty much because, I mean, of course, when you're fresh out of school and you you're a young engineer, I think you if you get if you end up in the correct place and, and you're kind of challenged in a positive way uh, in your work, I think you can learn so much in such a short time span. And what kind of characteristics would you look for in younger aspiring engineers that would set them up for success? I think uh, an important thing when you are working as an engineer or uh, if you're an aspiring engineer and you're in school or, or whatever, I think it's important to be curious about things, uh, to be curious about things when you're in school and to be curious about things in your work life to kind of keep um, keep expanding your own knowledge in a way um, and learning things along the way. Um, because I think it's easy if you, sometimes, of course, people get busy in their, in their work life and in school um, as well, for sure. Um, but to kind of make time to be a little bit curious and, and just read up on things that maybe you have a deadline on a project or whatever, and you need to get that done, but uh, don't just focus on the things that you have to do, focus on the things that you're you're interested in as well. And that goes for, if that's technology, if you're uh, uh, planning to be an engineer and you're interested in technology, uh, be curious about that or whatever it is. But I think it's um, it's important to, to keep that mindset going through and, to uh, yeah, be curious about the things that you're you're working on. If you'd like to learn more about Anton or any of our other heroes, be sure to check out embeddedcomputing.com.